Welcome to Revival is Here Again with Apostle Goodhart. God is about to speak directly to you as this message is guaranteed to impact your life. As you listen today, expect that God's Word has been sent in your direction to bring about revival, healing, restoration, and transformation. With faith in your heart and great expectation, join me to receive God's Word through His choice vessel, Apostle Goodhart O. Equeme. John 13, very quickly. Ay, ay, ay. John 13, 34 and 35. And 1 John 3, 1 to 2. How many love Jesus? I love him because he first loved me. We lack the power, the capacity to love him. But because he loved you first, you can respond to his love. John 13, 34, 35. Let's read together as a happy family. One, two, three, go. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have a love one to another. First John 3, 1 and 2. Mm. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because he knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. What manner of love? What manner of love? For an assignment, simply put, what manner of love? Our Father and our God, on bending knees with the hearts and the hands, raised to you this beautiful morning. We lift our hands first in worship. We lift our hands secondary in submission and surrender to your majesty. I beseech you once again to take a coal of fire from the altar of heaven. Anoint the lips and the tongues of clay of your seven son that this day I will come to these your people, your wonderful people, on site, online with the word from the throne of grace. Move every man, boy, girl under the sound of my voice from where we are to the beautiful place called destiny. With us always return the praise, the glory, the honor back unto you alone. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, somebody shout a big amen. amen. Ask your neighbor what manner of love is this? What manner of love? You may be seated in God's wonderful presence. For the past few days, I have just been pondering and meditating a bit more on the love of God, the amazing love of God. Christmas should bring to our minds, to our memorial, once again, a fresh reminder of the amazing love of God for the entire human race, but also for you as an individual. When we read John 3.16, sometimes we can easily 
generalize his love for the entire world. But that love will still be the same if you and I were the only individuals on the face of the earth. He didn't just die for the multiple billions on the earth, faceless numbers, just statistical figures. He died for you as an individual and died for me as an individual. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever, it's a blank check right there. Whosoever means me or you. Whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Everlasting life. Not just eternal in longevity, but everlasting in quality. Life that is both qualitative and life that is both quantitative. Jesus declared in John 10, the threefold mandate of the enemy. That the thief does not come when he comes. He comes to steal. He comes to kill. He comes to destroy. But he said, I, Jesus, have come. My God. I've come for this purpose to give you life. Not just life that you manage. Not beggarly life. Not 50-50. Not 60-40. Not 70-30. Not 90-10. But I've come to give you life. And that you may have life more abundantly. His appearing was to present to mankind the opportunity and the privilege to not only have life, but to have abundant life. Saints, the kind of love that God has for you and for me is a given love. It's a given love. Somebody once said, you cannot love without giving, but you can give without loving. It's possible to give for many reasons, out of manipulation, out of coercion, out of whatever reason you want to give. But you see, you cannot give or cannot love without giving. In other words, love itself by nature is a given love. For God so loved that he gave. So the response of one that loves you is that he will naturally give to you. The love of God is a given love. The love of God is a sacrificial love. It's a love that gives not just things, but gives self in expression of the love of the one, of the love, the one that he loves. It's a given love. It's a sacrificial love. Jesus declared in John 15, 13, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man laid down his life for his friends. In other words, the highest expression of love is to sacrifice yourself for the one that you love. Is given, is sacrificial, is covenantal. Beloved, as we survey the entirety of the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, we see the entire Bible is a book of the love story of God from the time of creation. He gave man the best, the Garden of Eden. Man fell out of the love of God. Slew a lamb and covered a man with the skin and with the blood to decree and declare redemption. The time will come that not just this lamb will be slain, but there is a lamb that will be slain for the entirety of the human race. The truth be told is that, ironically, that lamb was slain before the world was. <laughs> it says, worthy is the lamb that was slain. Slain. Slain before the foundation of the world. This is the love and the mercy of God. 
That even before you made that wrong move on the chessboard of life and destiny, your God in his magnanimity and his love made a move for your redemption. So we're not playing catch up with the enemy. No, sir. The enemy is trying to play catch up with our God. God has gone ahead of you. He's gone ahead of you into 2022. He's gone ahead of you into 2023, 24. He's gone ahead of you to make a way where there seems to be no way. You haven't gotten there yet, but God is waiting for you in the year. Convince yourself that God will not bring you into a place he hasn't been before. Ah, and I declare to you, your coming year is superlatively blessed. Ah. If you thought you've seen wonders in this year, get ready to, to see wonders multiply. God is said to revive you and God is said to make you an epitome, a vessel of mercy to your generation. No, sir, you're not going to be a local champion. No, somebody under the sound of my voice, you're about to be a world record breaker. Your sound will be heard in the nations. Where you are in this year is too small. You will be revived and God will use you as an epitome to revive others. Just like God said to Abraham, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. But the purpose of blessing you is not just for you and your family. I'm going to make you a global blessing. I'm going to make your name great and those who bless you will be blessed and those who curse you will be cursed. In other words, get ready for Katopeya, a generational blessing about to erupt in your life. Men will call your name, by call your name, they walk in the blessing of your heritage. Somebody shout, I am blessed. I'm unstoppable. I am irresistible. Say with me, I'm irresistible. I am unmolestable, I am unhandleable, I am unfrustratable, shout, I am too blessed to be stressed. Clap your hand and shout, oh saints, hallelujah to the Lamb of glory. I've come to give you life and life in abundance. The love story began in Genesis. It concludes in Revelation at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Between then and between then and the end, God is preparing a wonderful bride for his son Jesus. Guess who the bride is? You and I, you and I, you and I, you and I, decking you with the anointing, preparing you, uh, cleansing you, sanctifying you, getting you set. What? There is a feast at the end of all this called the marriage supper of the Lamb. Jesus, the husband, and the church purified as the bride. It's a love story. And between Genesis and Revelation, he's been literally chasing and wooing you to engage you, to bring to a place where you can experience and encounter his love. What story of love? Genesis to Revelation. Beloved, the greatest force on the earth today is the force of the love of God. The Bible declares in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, and these three abideth faith. Hope and love, but the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is love. If the greatest of these three forces is love, it also means 
that the person, listen to me, the person who learned to walk in the love of God will be the greatest in the kingdom of God. You can walk in faith and not be adjured great in the kingdom. You can walk in power and not be adjured great in the kingdom. But when you walk in love, heaven commands you to be great. It's a mystery. So in the kingdom of God, the way up is down. The disciples came to Jesus on a certain point in time and said, Hey, hey, who, who will be the greatest? Said, the greatest of you will be he who will be the servant of all. In other words, in the kingdom of God, the way we climb is to serve. The way we go up is by going down. And love is that way to serve others. Jesus gave an example in John 13. When supper was set, he tied a towel around him, began to wash the feet of the disciples. As he washed and washed, he said to them, If I, your master, have done this to you, you go and do likewise. It's called the ministry of the towel. That ministry sometimes is more powerful than any other ministry or any other weapon. The ministry of serving others. The ministry of expressing love through pouring yourself to others. It says, this is the greatest of all in the kingdom. These three abides, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest is love. If you look at 1 Corinthians 13, 1 to 3, we begin to see Apostle Paul, by the Spirit, debunk the things we typically are drawn to, to pursue as believers, when people have them outside God's love. He said, they are nothing. Now let's read together. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 to 3. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I am become as sounding brass. What irony. Or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, it's a gift, and understand all mysteries, this should be commendable. And all knowledge, this should be celebrated. And though I have all faith, this must really be commendable. So that I could remove mountains, this must be celebrated. Only thing is, with all of that, have not love, hear this, I am no thing or nothing. What? And though I bestow all my goods, very generous, very sacrificial, to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, this is sacrificial, wonderful, and have not charity or love, it profits me nothing. The first thing to understand is, it is possible to live a sacrificial life without love being your motivation. It's number one truth. It's possible. To go all the way, to fast, to pray, to bind and lose without love being your motivation. The other thing is, when you do the many things that are commendable as believers without love, in the eyes of God, it doesn't count. There's no profit for it. Praise God somebody. It doesn't count. It, it, it holds no value at all. So it is said that faith may be the greatest activator, but love is the greatest motivation. Oh boy. Let love be the motive, motivation for the things you do. 
If love is your motivation, then the things you do have a reward in time and in eternity. The one who walks in love will ultimately walk in victory. Look at verse 8 of that same chapter 13. Love never fails. It never fails. It never fails. So the one who walks in love never fails. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. But love never fails. Beloved, love is not something God has. Like he has power. No. Love is who God is. So to know God is to know love. <laughs> to know love is to know God. Praise God. And we're coming into the season, I believe so strongly, that God will be emphasizing to the body of Christ and to us on the great need to upgrade our work of intimacy with him. Because those who are going to stand out in this generation are those who know the Lord. And because they know the Lord, they will be strong. Because they're strong, they will do exploits. Daniel 11, 32. So as God begins to emphasize the need for intimacy, we see that one of the ways to engage in intimacy is to seek to know the love of God. Because to know love is to know God. To know God is to know love. Look at 1 John 1 chapter 4 and see the things Apostle John begins to write to us about the love of God. 1 John 4, 7 to 8. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Wow. Beloved, let us love one another. It's not an advice. It's a commandment. The logic were to love one another. You see, one of the ten core values of this great apostolic house and prophetic company is the covenantal love of God. I believe that one of the sounds of revival that is distinct, God has called and raised his house to send to the nations is a sound of the love of God. Because love in itself is a foundation for revival. Look at the first century church. <laughs> the revival that happened in the first century church in Acts 2 was predicated on the love of God. On account of love for each other, on account of sharing, on account of caring, on account of sacrificing, the, the power of God moved amongst them freely. I believe also as we as a church begin to emphasize to another level this fundamental truth of the love of God, revival fire will fall upon this house and will flow into the nations. The love of God. Seems weak and feeble, but that is the key to power. One of the keys to walking in power is compassion. Oftentimes it was written concerning Jesus Christ that he healed out of compassion. So stop looking for power. Steer compassion. Power will flow in the direction of compassion. Money will flow in the direction of compassion. Life will flow in the direction of compassion. Grace will flow in the direction of compassion. If you have compassion for the lost, for the sick, for the weak, naturally the power to do, to help them, to change them will flow from you to them. Compassion. It says in 1 John 4, 7, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God. 
hear this, and knoweth God. You see what I'm saying? When you're born of God, you know God. Sorry, born of love, you know, you know God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. The totality of God is love. To know God is to know love. To know love is to know God. Psalm 145, 8 to 9. God is full of compassion. The Lord is gracious. That's your God. Mm. He's full of compassion. That's your God. He's slow to anger. That's your God. Hallelujah. He's not mad with you. Praise God. And of great mercy. That's your God. Wow. The Lord is good to who? To all. That's your God. And his tender mercies ay, 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 are over all his works. That's your God. God is not the one with the long stick waiting for you to make a mistake then Bulala you know sir. He's the one who is drawing you to himself by his law. Jeremiah 31 3 says he drew us to himself by his everlasting love. By his love he drew you to himself. Hallelujah. The Lord has appeared of all to be saying, ay, ay, ay. yes, Roderick, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Have I drawn you to myself? Drawn you to myself. So the love of God is a drawing love, is a wound love. The love of God is a transformational love. There is no heart of a sinner that is too hardened that cannot be melted by the love of God. No. No. David, in the middle of his greatest fall, in adult with Bathsheba, killing Uriah, was drawn back to the heart of God by the love of God. Saul, a murderer, and one who was persecuted in church, Acts 9, on his way to Damascus, was drawn by the love of God to a place of repentance. He became Paul from Saul. Simon Peter, having denied Jesus Christ three times, as was declared, felt hopeless and helpless, but was drawn back to restoration by the love of God. Jesus hung on the cross, and he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The love of God will melt the heart of any sinner. There is no how far you will go that the love of God cannot draw you back to him. Just like the case of the prodigal son in Luke 15, who had gone away, spent his inheritance, was drawn back to the heart of his biological father as he considered the nature of his father. He said, in my father's house, there are many servants who are eaten to the excess. Here I am, a son wallowing. He said, I will return back to the house of my father. In a like manner also, saints, no matter how far a sinner has gone from God, the moment you recognize the love of God is, is, is incomparable, you can return back to the love of the Father. And this morning I believe somebody is returning back to the heart of the Father. Don't let the devil 
cheat you by telling you there's something somewhere you've done, haven't done, should have done, could have done in this year that God can't take you back. That devil is a liar. No way. The love of God is too powerful for anything the enemy may try to bring on you. And the blood of Jesus Christ is more powerful than anything else you can imagine. You see, when we talk about love, our minds become a little bit limited because we tend to think and compare the love of God, divine love, supernatural love, with natural love, human love. And until we rise in our understanding, oh boy, we are upgraded to the revelation of the kind of love God has for us, we'll constantly be thinking when God talks about love in the scriptures, is a kind of love amongst fallen human beings. Now, the Bible talks about natural love in different dimensions. One, what is called uh, filio. Filio is a Greek word that speaks of, of the love between family, friends. Uh, it's a natural love, right? Another kind of love that is natural is eros. As the name infers from the word you get erotica or erotism. is the, uh, the sexual or lustful, lustful love between, uh, well, brown before now is man and woman, but now man and man, woman and woman. Uh, praise God. But anyways, it's sexual love. Praise the Lord. But you see, the love of God is what the Bible calls agape. Agapeo. It's a covenantal love. It's a love that loves, listen carefully, not because of the object. Natural love loves because of the condition, the response, the reaction of the object. In other words, you love me, I love you. You're good to me, I'm good to you. A tooth for a tooth. Huh? foot for a foot but the love of God does not love because of the state of the nature of the object listen carefully it loves because the subject God his nature is love listen that means his love to you is never regulated by you I hope you get that into your spirit let me say it again the love of God is not regulated based on you the object your behavior, your misbehavior, no, is based on him, the subject, because his nature is love. Because his nature is love, full of compassion, we read, slow to anger, of tender mercies, good to all. So his nature will pour out love to everybody, including the sinner. Romans 5 verse 8. Whilst we were yet sinners, ah, yeah, yeah, the Bible tells us, Jesus, ooh, God, loved you when while you were sinners. So, but God demonstrates his own love towards us. Ay, ay, ay. In that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. So the question is, when did Jesus die for you? When he got born again? When he said your prayers? You paid your tithe? You gave your offering? Evangelized? Now, these things are wonderful. Listen, listen, if you are born again, you will naturally exude them. They're called fruits of the spirit. Listen carefully. But you see, God did not wait for you to get in position to love you. He loved you whilst you were still a sinner. So the question is, if God loved me before I, oh Shataga, I could love him back, how much more now that I said yes to him, much more will he oh, express his love for you? Let me put a balance. Being pleased with you is not the same thing as loving you. I can be displeased with my children's behavior, but 
it does not or at least should not regulate my love for them. Praise God. Poor grades, I ain't happy. Waste money, I ain't happy. Do stuff ain't right, I ain't happy. But they're good children, just in case, yeah? So those things can make a father or mother displeased with them. But displeasure is not the same thing as love. You must commit to love them out of where they are to where they should be. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that the love of God or the goodness of God, yes, that leads to godly sorrow, to repentance. So God will literally love you out of your mess. A man of God was writing, I read I think yesterday, he said he found himself in a particular predicament and he felt an outright failure. And he went into warfare prayer, began to pray to bind the loose, bind the loose, you know, all kinds of thoughts to come out of it. And God said to him, my son, when you are in this kind of place, listen carefully, the revelation of my love for you, oh boy, that is unconditional, listen carefully, is your strongest weapon against the enemy. You see, David was a man that I, I sometimes wonder, he must know a thing or two about God. He knew the mercy of the Lord. He knew the compassion of God. He knew the goodness of God. He knew that if he sincerely returned back to God, that God will not refuse him. And saints, it's not that we're abusing or, or taking undue advantage of grace or mercy or his love, but we need to have a revelation of the love of God that stands true in season and out of season. Otherwise, the enemy will mess your mind up. Somebody shout, God loves me. I love him. And I love the brethren. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Somebody's faith is rising. When you capture the revelation of the love of God, your faith rises. Your faith rises knowing the one who loves you won't leave you in the pit. Katobala. Won't leave you where you are. He's eager to pull you out. He's eager to push you forward. Listen. Your God is not the one who came down to push you down. Listen. Your God came down in the person of Jesus to lift you up. It has been said, the Son of God became the Son of Man. That we, the sons of men, may become the sons of the living God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Not to push you down, but to raise you up. His coming was for your lifting. His coming was for your deliverance. His coming was for your healing. His coming was for your wholeness. His coming is for your change. Not to push you down. Not to push you back. No. To lift you up and to push you up. That's why he came. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to the Lamb of Glory. Hallelujah to the Lamb of Glory. Unto us. A child is born. A son is given shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Everlasting Father, Mighty God, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his kingdom, there shall be no end. That's the kingdom you and I belong to. The kingdom of peace. Hallelujah. Praise God. We have to pray for God to reveal to us his brand of love, his kind of love. 
Apostle Paul taught us to pray in Ephesians 3, 17 to 19. And we must pray that prayer. Because we may think we know it, but it takes revelation. <laughs> that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. It's a prayer point. Ephesians 3, 17 to 19. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. Sounds like paradox, tautology. Paradox, I beg your pardon. Knowledge, to know. To know means intimate knowledge. It's likened unto the knowing between a, a husband and a wife. It was said in Genesis 3, I think 3 verse 2, and, and Adam knew his wife Eve and she became pregnant. And she said, the Lord has given me a son. So that word knew speaks of intimacy. It says, it says and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, sufficient knowledge, mental knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. So, so the way to be filled with his fullness is to seek to know the love of God. Ah, yeah, yeah. What is it? The length, the breadth, the depth, the height. Pass finding out. Amazing love. Amazing love. Amazing love. That love is unconditional. That love is eternal. That love is everlasting. That love was expressed and extended to you when you are not deserving of it because of his nature being the nature of love. Because he loves you, certain things are made available to you as your father. He saves because he loves. He is committed to delivering because he loves. He is committed to healing because he loves. Wow. He is committed to protecting preserving because he loves. <laughs> He's committed to your peace, your shalom, because he loves. Because he loves. Because he loves, these are the, the, the products of the one that loves you. You can't love somebody and not desire the welfare, the well-being of the person that you love. For God so loved, he gave. The Bible says in Romans 8, and it's just a giant of thinking about this love, the extent of the love of God. He says, if God did not withhold his son Jesus from you, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? He gave you Jesus. That's what Christmas is all about. He gave you Jesus. And he said, with Jesus, I've also made available all things freely by faith this morning draw down the all things draw down strength this sunday morning because strength is a part of the package of salvation draw down peace for your mind draw down joy draw down increase draw down favor draw down new levels of anointing by the virtue of the fact that christ has come for you hallelujah Hallelujah. We are short of that love. Romans 8, 35 to 37 says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? You can add your own there. 
as it is written, for thy sake we are all killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Hallelujah. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. It is the love of God that guarantees you a more than a conqueror. Hallelujah. Such death, peril, sickness, disease, nothing shall separate. Nothing has a power to be able to separate you from the love of God. You may think in your mind something has separated. No, sir. No, sir. It's in your mind. By revelation, you, heard it, you saw it there. Nothing has the power to be able to severe you from the love of God. Let this get into your spirit, man. Be pregnant with it. He loves me. You know what? Don't just stop at acknowledging and receiving his love. Listen carefully. You must determine to love him back. Love him back. Love him back. A lawyer came to Jesus and said, what is the greatest commandment? He said, hey, number one, to love your God with all of your heart, all of your strength, all of your might. He says, the second is like to the first, to love your neighbor like unto yourself. He says, upon these two, hang the law and the prophets. In other words, love is a sum total of all commandments. The fulfillment of the law is love. We read in John 13, 34, that by this shall all men know that you are my disciple. Take time, read 1 John. It says some strong things about the love of God that is expressed to our fellow believers. In fact, hear this now, hear this. 1 John 4, 11 says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwells in us and his love is perfected in us. So nobody has seen God. So the way to express love is one to another. As we celebrate Christmas, let's rise to the point of pouring out the love we receive from Abba Father to others. To touch somebody. To be that hand of Jesus. Be that feet of Jesus. Be that eyes of Jesus in somebody's life. The first century church I said to you earlier on, all revival broke out because of the love amongst them. Psalm 133. How good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in the place called unity. Just so the ornament that came upon the head of Aaron flowed out his beard. As a dew upon Mount Hermon. Verse 3 says, ah, yeah, yeah. For there the Lord commanded his blessings. Commanded life forevermore. Even life forevermore, beg your pardon. Commanded blessings and life forevermore. So as we connect to each other this morning with a sense of indebtedness, of love for one another, there is a commanded blessing coming upon this family. Commanded blessing. The first century church, they had all things common. There was none amongst them hungry, none unclothed, because they really looked out for one another. I believe this is one of the cardinal keys for revival in our day, in our age. To acknowledge, first and foremost, the love of God, to receive it, to love him, one dimension, and to express that love for him in expressing for others. Let's rise on our feet. What manner of love has the Father 
for you. Can you thank the Lord for 10 seconds for this amazing love today? Ay, ay, yeah. Make a commitment. You will love him as he demanded with all of your strength, your might, your heart. By the help of the Holy Ghost. Make a commitment. You will love one another. That we're in this together as a family. Oh, yes. That we will come to church. We'll begin to look out for each other. Who amongst us needs something that I can provide? Everybody can do something. Everybody. Oh, we throw away that entitlement mentality. We believe that at every level, you can do something. You can do something for somebody. Father, we lift our hearts and our voices to just bless you for the amazing love you have for us. Now, if you're here, you're not born again, haven't received that love to change your life, to be born again, will you pray with me online, on-site chat? Let's pray together before we worship him. We'll pray together, Heavenly Father. Let's pray together, Heavenly Father. In the name of Jesus, I open my heart to invite you, Jesus, to be my Lord and my Savior. Forgive me all of my sins. I acknowledge Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. Forgive me all of my sins. I turn my life in its entirety unto you to love you, to serve you, as you help me, sweet Holy Spirit. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. We believe that you have been tremendously blessed by the ministry of Apostle Goodhart Obi Ekweme. It is our conviction that this message has begun a mighty work in your life, and we pray that the grace for prompt obedience to the Word of God will rest upon you. We look forward to hear and celebrate your testimonies with great expectations.